Welcome to Crossroads Church's Sermon of the Week podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. 2004, 230,000 people died in the Indian Ocean after an earthquake set off a massive tsunami. It is, by all estimations, the largest tragedy that has ever taken place in human history. That many lives, and, and there were many that they weren't even sure how many died. This story is depicted by my favorite Jedi, Ian McGregor, but it's really based on a story from a Spanish family, uh, and their, name, their last name was Belon. Maria Belon, her husband Enrique, and their three children, Lucas, Simon, and Tomas. And uh, this was a story of how they survived, and I'm sure Hollywood adds a little bit and makes it really a really interesting story, but it's how they survive and how the Thailand people survive and how they actually work together and, and help them when they're, they're displaced and they're trying to reconnect. And it's a, it's a very powerful story. In fact, I think the first 15 minutes, there's not a lot of talking after that scene. I think it's just a lot of screaming and, and there's glass and there's trees going through the river and, and it seems like an impossible situation. And um, it's one of those stories where it, it breaks your heart, but it but also uh, lifts you up when you see the survival of this family. This family goes on to do some, uh, and to continue to do some amazing things. The, the mom is a doctor, and she travels around the world as a motivational speaker. The husband, Enrique, works for a nonprofit, uh, and they're saving Turkish uh, immigrants who are crossing over into Spain. And, and one of the sons is a diver, and you know that sometimes they come in on rafts, and they're, they're saving them. And each of the kids went on to do something that is either they're studying for or they're actively involved in saving lives. And, and they've turned this impossible situation uh, into, into a victory. Well, well, today I want to share with you something that's pretty complicated. And it's found in Matthew chapter 19. In fact, later on you'll see that it's referred to as the impossible. It starts off in, in Matthew chapter 19. I'm going to then pair it up with the other version where Luke's gospel gives a different vantage point of the end of the story. The scripture says, someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Now, some of your translations will say good master or good teacher. And he says, why ask me about what is good or why call me good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? And, and Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, and go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad for he had many possessions. And then Luke's gospel says the end of the story. And when Jesus saw this, he said, and this is the rich man, when he hears this, he turns away and he walks away. And, and, and Jesus says, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard, who heard this said, then who in the world can be saved? And he replied, what is impossible for people is possible for God. Heavenly Father, this morning we ask that you would reveal to us the possible in this impossible scenario. God, would you reveal to us 
what it is that you've called us to be and what you've called us out of. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So a man comes up to Jesus, and a lot of times people would come to Jesus and they were quizzing him. They were trying to trip him up. They were trying to see how much he knew of the Bible. But this seems like a man who really was intent on understanding. And, and so he goes up to him, and he even refers to him as good teacher. And he wants to know what it's going to take to get into heaven. Now, if you think putting a basketball goal together or, or maybe something mechanical or relationships are complicated... Imagine this scenario, getting into heaven. See, the world is really confused on this subject. And the way I say it is, they've really dummied it down to the fact of, well, there is no heaven, or everybody's going to get there. And there's the occasional person that says, oh, I messed up so much, I'll ne- uh, I'm, I'm in hell, I know I'm going to hell. And, and, and so the world is, has simplified it, dummied it down, and, and in some cases, I think they've stopped looking for the answer. But this man came to Jesus and, and he says, what must I do to, to receive eternal life? And it was a great question. In fact, it's a question that every one of us should have already answered in our own lives. And if not, maybe today's that day. And so Jesus says, well, you need to keep the commandments. I remember we were coaching football many years ago. And, uh, and this, this one guy who was over the director of all the teams and all the ages he would lead a devotional in the Ten Commandments before practice, which the kids loved because it allowed the sun to go down a little bit more and it cool off. So I don't know how many of the commandments they learned, but as coaches, we were kind of glad it got a little cooler before we started. But every night of practice, three nights a week, they learned the Ten Commandments before they started hitting people. I'm not sure if how that all connects, but they, they did that. The kids learned, and we had to make them memorize and say it back to us. This man knew the Ten Commandments. In fact, Jesus says, if you want to make it into heaven, you need to obey the Ten Commandments. And he says, well, I've I've, I've obeyed them all since my youth. But he says this. It's a powerful question. He says, what else must I do? See, something inside of him was telling him he was still missing something. See, that's what happens when our spirit tries to communicate with God's spirit. We start to realize there's something missing. And so he says to Jesus, I've done all these things from my youth. Now, I think that's pretty bold. If I were to ask you, have you you followed all the commandments from your youth, and you raise your hand, well, that would be great. But most of us have probably not done all of them the way we should have. I mean, has someone asked you, like spouses, has your wife ever asked you, how do I look in that dress? And you're like, what are we eating for? What are we eating tonight? You know, and you change the subject, or you, you, we probably have. Have you stretched the truth? Um, did you catch a fish that was really this small, and you told everybody it was this big? I mean, have you ever done something like that? Well, the Bible talks about about the the sins, and and it talks about these commandments. And this man says, "I follow them all since my youth." But I, but what else do I need to do to get into heaven? And Jesus says, well, sell everything that you have. Sell everything that you have and follow me. And and, and the Bible says that he, with so many possessions, he, he, he didn't know what to do. So he turned and he left. And Jesus says, how hard is it? For a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And, and maybe you're thinking, oh, well, I'm not rich, so this, ser- this sermon doesn't apply to me. I'm good, right? That's not what the, what the story is about. It is for this man. But this was the thing that was holding him back. This was that, that issue that was holding him. And so the disciples, they see the story. They hear the story. They, they're right there with Jesus. 
And, and I want you to get this. They've, they've been following Jesus. They've probably seen the bad guys, and they've probably seen some good people. Here's a man. Now, he's, he's definitely self-identifying as someone who has followed the commandments, and, and he seems like a good guy. He seems like he's in the category of one of the good ones. And, and we all know there's oh, that, that, that person, he's, that's a pretty good guy, and that's a pretty bad guy, and vice versa. And, and there's, they're saying, this, this guy is good, and yet Jesus says, there's something he's missing, and he says, sell all your possessions, and he does it, and he walks away, and so they, their response was this. Then who in the world can make it? Who in the world can make it into the kingdom of God? I don't know if you've ever been weighed down by guilt of something you've done in your past. Um, I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you're like, there's no way God's going to forgive me. There's just no way that, that he is going to allow me to make it into heaven, to the kingdom of God. And so these disciples, they see this good guy, this guy who's been following the commandments, and they're like, he's not going to make it. How am I going to make it? And, and, and Jesus says this. He says, what is impossible for people is possible with God. This is the impossible thing. It's impossible for you on your own to make it into heaven. It's impossible for you to. It's impossible for me to make it into the kingdom of God. And Jesus, he answers that. He, 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 he agrees with them to, some, to one point. It is impossible. But what is impossible for people is possible for God. Getting into the kingdom of God has been described as impossible. The scripture says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 14, it says, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. I mean, I think we could summarize Matthew 7 as saying, it seems pretty difficult. It seems pretty complicated to get into heaven. But not impossible. But people have described it. The disciples described it as impossible. And Jesus says, but things are possible with God. I remember when, when um, my kids were born and, and Arlene had to have everything perfect and she would buy this bassinet. Uh, is it a bassinet or is it a crib? Maybe it's more of a crib. And so if, if you've ever put together a, a baby crib, let me give you some advice. Don't put together your baby crib in your living room. You know, you know Why? Does anybody know why? I'll, I'll even stop and let you answer that question. Anybody want to guess? It won't go through the door of your bedroom. It's just not practical. You know, that should be the first thing on the box. Do not assemble till you get into the room where you want this to be your final destination. But they don't do that. No, they say this is beautiful. They, they put this beautiful picture and maybe even have a little thing hanging over it, floating around, and I'm sure it's got a name and I forgot what it was. And then they've got all this picture of a room and how it would look in your room, but they don't tell you not to assemble it somewhere else. So I assembled one of these once before in my living room. And I'm like, I'm going to have to tear my house down to get it into the, into the, to the baby's room. And that was frustrating, so I had to unscrew all the, and there's a ton of little bolts. And it was so complicated. And it seems like there are things in life that are complicated. And for some people, heaven seems complicated. It seems so impossible. How am I ever going to get in? In fact, even Jesus said, it's the narrow gate that leads to heaven. 
Wide is the way that leads to destruction. See, it's easy, it's easy to live a sinful life. Oh, I'm not saying it's not baggage. It doesn't carry hurts, psychological, physical, mental, emotional. But it's easy to go through that door. It's a wide door. I remember we were, we were, we're still building on our, our Bible Institute in Peru. We got a lot done. And, and, and those guys are hard workers, strong, but they're not that tall. And, and the guy who's our chief carpenter on the, on the job, and he's helped us build several churches, he, he built it. And so in the doorway, the doorway was like about like here. I hit my head. I don't know how many times in one week. And, and you know, I don't have a lot of cushion up there. And, and so... Um, there were cuts all over me. I mean, it looked like I had been beaten up by, by Peru, uh, by the Peruvians. And, and, and I just said, is that going to stay like that? And he said, no, we're going to eventually fix it. And I don't know if it's fixed or not, but I hit my head so many times on that doorway. I couldn't get through. You know, some people think that they're not going to get through to heaven. They just, they just don't see how any way they're going to make it because it's too narrow of a path. They've been told that you've got to be perfect. They've been told that that you have to live in such a way that if you don't live that way, you're not going to make it. And and those are true. Even Jesus says to him, he says, follow the commandments if you're going to make it. This is true. And so if you you hear just part of the story, you're going to say, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to keep hitting my head. I'm going to keep bumping into something that's going to keep me from getting to heaven. I might as well just give up. And people do that. I'm just going to live the life that... That, that's easier because I can't live that life. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. That's a sad statement to me. Jesus is warning people that it's difficult to get into heaven. It's complicated. And for some, it might even seem impossible. But there is hope because Jesus says what is impossible for people, what's impossible for you, is possible with God. What Jesus did for us on the cross, he made a way. He covered your sins and my sins. He he removed them as far as the east is from the west to remember them no more. This is the promise for those who would follow him. But he says to the man, he says, I want you to sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. In another occasion, Jesus said, the poor you will always have among you. And you're you're thinking, what's the contradiction here? Why would he say give everything you have the poor if you're always going to have the poor among you? But Jesus was telling him, you need to get rid of this baggage. What's keeping you from following me? What's keeping you from moving forward? A couple weeks ago, I shared with you the story of Elijah and Elisha, and Elisha had to do the same thing. He had something keeping him back. It wasn't that he was that rich, but, but he had his allegiance to his family and this, and, and this team of oxen, and he had to plow the field every year, and it was like, I've got to stay back here and, and help the family. And he had to cut ties with them to move forward. For this man, it was his wealth. For this man, there was something on earth that was keeping him from from investing in heaven. And he tells him, he says, you need to sell all your possessions and then you will have treasure in heaven. The scripture says in Matthew chapter six, Jesus on another occasion says this to the disciples, 
Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This man's treasure was on earth. And there, was, there is where he kept his heart. His heart was attached to those possessions. And Jesus knew it. And he says, you know something's wrong too. Because he said to him, he says, what else must I do? I've already, I've already followed the commandments. What else? Something in his heart was convicting him. See, that's how the Lord leads. The Lord will remind us or teach us or he'll spur something in our, stir something up in our heart. And we will know we're missing something. We might not know the name of it. We might not be able to define it. We might even not even know uh, kind of what is keeping us, but we feel it. Something's missing. Our heart is not in tune with what God wants for us. And so Jesus tells the disciples in, in this other occasion, you've got to set up and lay up treasures in heaven. And, and he uses the, the metaphors of moth and rust. And, and you know if, you, you have a, if you've ever had mothballs you put them up in your closet or you've, had, you've ever found something eating away at some of your old sweaters um, and um, maybe you've had something that, that rusts that, that you left outside. Um, I've got this really cool uh, grill and, um, and Greg's got the same grill. I saw him do it. And his food tastes better when he cooks on it, but I thought if I got the same one, it would work out. It did not. Um, but, but he... Um, he didn't tell me that, but he's got this cover for his. Well, I didn't buy the cover because I'm a little bit tight, and, um, and so I didn't buy the cover. And what's interesting, there's one side of this really nice grill is made of thick metal. Oh, it's, it doesn't rust. It can rain on it every day, and it doesn't rust. But the little smoke box on the side is, does yours rust too, Greg? That thing rusts. I'm like, it's like how, they could have put a little bit more effort in this, and this whole thing would have worked a little bit better. Um, Jesus says there are things in your life that you've invested in that are going to get corrupted here. You're going to pour all your energy into those things. They're going to tie you and connect you to this earth. So what happens is we, we forget about the fact that there's a later coming. What you do on earth has implications later. He says that to the rich man in the story. He says, he says you need to start thinking about later. Instead, he was thinking about now. And that was the problem. In Christianity, we've complicated a lot of things. And sometimes we've dummied some things down. And, and, and for those of us who really get it, we're like, oh, this is, this, this is difficult. This is complicated the narrow way. But Jesus says, if, if you want to really understand how to, to accomplish this, if you really want to know how to make it into heaven, to get into heaven, he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Start thinking about later. A lot of us just live for the now, don't we? We live paycheck to paycheck. We live experience to experience. We live moment by moment, day by day. And we don't put a lot of effort into what's going to happen later. He tells the man, if you want to make it into heaven, you need to start thinking about later. He also says something else to him that's pretty interesting. The money was a big deal. But he says, really simple. It's a really simple instruction. He says, then come and follow me. Then come and follow me. See, in today's society, I, I don't know how you've been taught. If you've been here, in a while, here for a while, you've, hopefully I've, I've taught it the right way. 
But, but maybe there is um, a truth or, or a truth that's been manipulated a little bit to where it's not quite the same way that it should be. And, and you've bought into that or you've heard it and no other people that bought into it. And, and people think about Christianity and making it into heaven as some box that you've checked. I filled out forms, and, it, and it'll start off by saying, what race am I? And it'll say, it'll say white, Hispanic, Asian, or other. And, you know, I'm like, other. And then they put this little blank if you're other. And, um, and, and, and you, you check that off. And then it says, are you a male? Are you female? How old are you? You've done those physical forms, those medical forms. You fill those out, right? And you check off that box, and then you give it back to them, and then they make you wait 15 minutes or an hour or whenever, and then they see you. In Christianity, we think we check off boxes, I've baptized many of you in here, and we give you an, a nice little, a little certificate that says you were baptized on such and such date. And, and if we're not careful, we're going to think, check that box off. I am going to make it into the kingdom of God. And, and Jesus says to him, he, he, he believes enough to follow the commandments. He's, he's following the commandments. He, believe, he obviously believes in God. Why would he follow the commandments if he didn't believe in God? But there's something missing, and he knows it. And Jesus knows it too. He says, you need to follow me. You need to follow me. The Bible says that the devil and the demons believe in God. And, and, and hear me out. I don't want to be misquoted, but that's easy to do because I can make a, a mess of some words here every once in a while. But, but I don't think Jesus is looking for more believers. I think he's looking for more followers. There's a lot of people who believe. I think people believe in a higher power. People believe that there is an end destination. And people who don't even know what it means to be a Christ follower, I think they even get a sense of heaven and hell. But this man was just asked a simple question, just come and follow me. Or he was invited to follow him. Just give up all this other stuff and follow me. What's it going to take for you and I to get into the kingdom of God? See, if you don't want to follow him now, then how do you know that you will want to follow him later? Or how do you know you'll find him? Have you ever told someone, oh, go ahead, I'll catch up with you later? Yeah. And maybe you do, maybe you don't. Um, well, I'll meet you at the restaurant. You just go on ahead, I'll catch up with you. And then you're like, I'm lost. I'm going home. People have said to God, God, I'll catch up to you later. I'll follow you when it's a little bit more convenient. Maybe when I spend all this money that I have. As in the story of the rich young man here in this story. Or, or I'll follow you when, when, when I'm done hanging out on this earth. Enjoying the things of this earth. I'll, I'll, I'll catch up to you later. See, if you and I are going to make it to the kingdom of heaven... It's about following him now while his spirit and his voice is clear. Come, follow me. When he said that to the disciples, they dropped everything and they followed him. In John chapter 8, the scripture says, And Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I want to ask if you just bow your heads a moment. And I know many of you. I know many of your testimonies and many of your stories. But I don't know all your stories. And maybe I don't even know your present story. 
But I can tell you sometimes it gets difficult and complicated to follow Jesus because different things and patterns pop into our lives and different habits and things on this earth distract us. And maybe it feels difficult to be a Christian. I know for young people it's hard. There's so many temptations. There's so many pressures that they experience. Why would I want to follow him now? I've got all this energy. I've got all this this, this time to, to explore and experience and, and, and he'll forgive me. But God has a plan for us. And, when, and he's striking while the iron's hot. And today, if the spirit is moving and he says, do you follow him? Then listen to that voice and follow. Jesus, I think the world has has either given up on following you in general. There's a few. A few that are going through the narrow. But Lord, there's, there's many others that think, oh, it's just going to happen. I'll get there. God's good. I'll make it to heaven. But your word is clear. You, you've called us to follow you. Not just believe in you. You've called us to be followers of yours. God, I pray today that we would get a renewed sense of what it means to be a follower. That we would be so close to you, walk so close to you that that the dust from your feet would kick up on us. Lord, would we remove any of these earthly things that are keeping us from truly following. For more information about this podcast and other ministries, visit crossroadstx.church. Oh.